Well, as we pray, we always take our cares and thoughts, concerns to God as we ought. And as we prayed today and we think about people who are sick, people who are hurting, um, chaos that's going on in the world, it's, it's not a happy day. But I'm getting ready to do a sermon on the joyful life. So how do they go together? You know, can I come up here and, uh, and give a lesson on joy in the midst of what we experience in life, which is often difficult, heartbreaking, and just so many times just life tries to drag us down and bring us down. But in Christ, even in difficult times and even in sad times, we can have joy in Christ. And we need to be the ones who show that joy so that others in the world can see and know that there is a Christ, that there is something bigger and better, something beyond, someone beyond, who cares for us and loves us, loves us enough to send his own son. And that can bring us joy. So last, to remember what we looked at last week, just a couple of slides from last week to reinvigorate our minds towards this theme. How are you, is what I asked. And by the end of the sermon, I hope you were in this thought and in this mindset that I'm, I'm happy. I have joy in Christ, and I think happiness is something that should set Christians apart. This is a part of our holiness. How we are holy is that we should have happiness that sets us apart from a lost, broken, hopeless world. And so, as we consider this today, and I really want to, uh, I, I, this theme of joy that, I'm working on now, I think it fits with what Jay talked about a couple of weeks ago, and that is the theme of family and how much we need to be family. And I would just encourage us to think about we need to be a family that is filled with joy, the joy of Christ. And part of this being a family is having this a youthful vigor for life and a joy in life because Jesus is with us. Jesus is the giver of life, and in particular today, not only has he given us our lives, created us, created everything around us, and holds everything together, he is also, uh, he came down here, bore our sins for us on that cross, on that cross was buried and raised again, and then he ascended back to the Father, and when he went back to the Father, he sent his Holy Spirit down here. To be with us. I believe in that first century church, he was, that spirit was alive and well in everyone. And anybody that the, that the apostles laid their hands on, that, that spirit showed forth miraculously. So it was the Holy Spirit coming into the world that has provided us with true life. And that spirit should shine forth from us. And that is what I want to talk about today. And I want to begin with a man who had this spirit in his life. And that is a Samaritan man who was one of the ten lepers. 
mentioned in Luke 17, verses 11 through 14. Let's read this again. Luke 17, 11 through 14. While he was on his way, Jesus, to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was there none, was there no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. And I just love that thought, this, this man who was healed on his way, along with all the other nine. But he was, when he was healed, uh, he began, as it says, he turned back. He was going to go back to Jesus. He was glorifying God with a loud voice. And it doesn't say this, but I don't imagine that he was just kind of walking along, giving praise to God. He was, he was one of these guys leaping for joy going back to Jesus with great enthusiasm. He was ready to find him. Leaping for joy. And we talked about leaping for joy last week and on December 26th. Leap for joy. Just like the little baby, John the Immerser in the womb, leapt for joy when Jesus came came near him. And folks, we have got Christ in our lives. We have been, we have received healing from Jesus. We have been saved. We, our lives have been salvaged. And we need to be like this man who leapt for joy. He went from a life of despair to a life filled with joy and gratitude. He was glorifying God because of what Jesus had done. And when he came to Jesus, he fell on his face. At Jesus' feet, giving thanks to him. Joy and gratitude go hand in hand. So I want to encourage you to to consider this, um, this Samaritan. Leaping for joy because of what Christ had done for him. And then falling at his face with gratitude. We need to be leaping And we need to be falling, bowing, and giving thanks. I think this is a wonderful example. Um, And I I want us to consider this example. And we need to be uh, like this family. We need to be a family of believers filled with joy and gratitude. We need to each one of us decide we're going to be the one in ten. Jesus said, where are the other nine, right? They went on their way, they were healed. I don't know eventually what their eternity had in store for them because they didn't show much gratitude. That might mean something spiritually, I'm not sure. 
But there was only one who came back to Jesus and honored him. We need to be the one in ten. And by being the one in ten, we can be filled with joy because of what Christ has done for us. And we need to give thanks to God, bowing before him, offering then to him our our lives, knowing that he is the master. And we are going to do his bidding for all, all of our days because of what he's done for us. And I want to ask you to consider that if we don't have permanent joy and gratitude, if we don't have joy and gratitude going hand in hand, those nine that were the others, the only, only the one is the good example. So I want us to consider if we don't have permanent joy and gratitude, then we may be the rocky or the thorny soil. And I want to revisit just for a moment a passage that we have revisited Often in the last several years. In Luke chapter 8, verses 13 through 15, there are two, there are a couple of bad soils, but I'm just picking up on the last two. And starting in verse 13, it says, Those on the rocky soil, this is the seed that fell on the rocky soil, are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, fall away. So now, and it's interesting to think about those, the other nine that went to the priest like they were told to. They didn't come back, express gratitude. I'm sure they were filled with joy. I wonder how long that joy lasted. I wonder how quick it took for them just to get back to their normal everyday lives, and they didn't really think about the one who cleansed them. I don't have an answer for that, but I wonder. Folks, we need to not be like that. We need to not receive the word with joy and then not develop a firm root and fall away. Continuing on in this passage, verse 14, The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this good life and bring no fruit to maturity. Now, I think as we think about Christians broadly, I think we can think of people who claim to follow Christ, but yet they're more concerned about riches and pleasures and they're more concerned about the anxiety they have over their things in life over, or over this bad thing or this good thing. A lot of times we fill our lives with so much stuff that it just causes us more anxiety. And our stuff gets our attention. We can't serve God and stuff. That's what Jesus said. You can't serve God and mammon. So don't go on your way and get distracted. We need this joy that comes initially following Christ. We need to maintain that joy and the gratitude and not get distracted by the worries and cares and concerns and riches and pleasures and everything that comes along with life. Verse 15, but the seed and the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. And I just want to, there are all kinds of fruit that we can bear as Christians and that the word of God is going to produce in us. And today I'm asking you just to consider the fruit of joy. God 
gives us joy. He produces joy in our lives. And Jesus does want us to be happy in him. And he is the only place where truly, I think, we can be happy. So Jesus wants us to have life to full. And to consider that, I want you to uh, consider, to go with me to the book of John. And we're going to think about John. And what I have here are just a few verses from John. And they're focused on the Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit coming to us. Um, but if you look through John and you read through John or get a concordance out and look at the word life all through John, John is very much about life, 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 life. Jesus wants us to have life and to have it more abundantly. He wants us to have life to the full. It follows along with the thought that is in uh, Psalm 23 that says, My cup overflows. That's what Jesus wants for us. He wants us to have life to the full. So first we're going to go to John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. This is the last day of the great feast that he was at. And he stands up on the last... I'm sorry, I'm quoting the verse and thought I was introducing it. Verse 37. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying... If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus is speaking. He's speaking in these wonderful words, hopeful words about lives being filled to overflowing, rivers flowing forth, living water coming from their innermost being. Um, and if you want to check back to Ezekiel, there was a, I, I, I think he's referencing a passage in Ezekiel in Ezekiel, we'll leave it at that. I don't know what chapter 40-something, I think. But it's a, it's a passage about in the temple there starts this little river coming forth and it becomes this great and mighty river flowing forth to, to the whole world. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit being unleashed upon anyone who would receive this wonderful gift into their lives. Jesus is referencing that. And this is for all who would come to Jesus, who would believe in him, who would drink of him. From his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. It's a pretty wonderful, beautiful picture that is created there. And Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit that he would send to believers. So just consider Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39. The day of Pentecost, after Jesus has ascended into heaven and he has promised, hey, apostles, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you the comforter, the helper. Over and over again, he talks about that a lot in John. Well, now in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you 
and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And every time I hear that, all who are far off, everybody across the the world, they were far off, separated by distance, it didn't matter, and separated by time, even to us, is this offer of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What do you got to do? Well, you've heard the message of Christ. Repent, change your thinking, and be baptized in the name of Jesus. And you'll receive the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful and wonderful thought. Also consider Romans chapter 8, verse 11. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised... And this is in a larger context. You can read all of chapter 8 if you want to read about the Spirit. It says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. The Spirit is certainly it dwells in each one of us. If we want to have hope of being raised from the dead, then we've got to believe that what this is saying is true. The only way we're going to be raised from the dead is if the Spirit is in us and will raise us up. And I think, first and foremost, that is at baptism. When we die to ourselves and are raised to Christ, we are raised up to life eternal right then. We have entered into life. The Holy Spirit is within us. And then on the day that our physical body dies and it has no more life in it, we shall be raised up. The resurrection for all eternity. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. We will be raised again. Death has no power over us because his spirit dwells in us. So as I look out and I see people here, do, am, I, am I seeing just normal, everyday people just like I see on the street? <laughs> no. The, we are God's people. He has given His Spirit to dwell in us. What a joy. What a thought. And if we flash our minds back to John chapter 37... 38, 39, where Jesus says, from his innermost being, you people who have received the Holy Spirit in your life, from your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This is your life. You are filled with true life. Let us live like that. So the Holy Spirit is in us to give us this life. And this is something that Jesus had even... Well, let me, let me, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Let me get to this thought and this picture. This is a flowing river, living water. The Holy Spirit is like that, flowing and living. It is not stagnant, dead water. The world without Christ, any of us without Christ, this would characterize us. We've got water in us, I guess. But it's not living water, it's stagnant, dead water. Oh, there's no scripture for this. I'm talking, just uh, using the, the analogy here, right? If the Holy Spirit is flowing living water, then if we don't have the Spirit in us, then we're just stagnant and dead. Now, if you're ever 
walking through a Florida, a swamp down in Florida, or maybe uh, even through the woods and back behind your house or something, and there's a puddle of water that's been sitting there for uh, stagnating for months on end, are you going to reach down in there and get some water out of it and drink it? <laughs> you might end up dead. <laughs> that would be a scary thing to do. We don't drink stagnant water because it actually, the, the problem with stagnant water is it's filled with living things that could really bring us harm. So we don't want to drink stagnant water. It'll make us sick. Um, we don't want to drink dead water, water that's not flowing, not moving. We want to, if we're out in the wild, we want to drink living water. That's the good water that will bring life. And it's, the other thing that's interesting, too, when I think about dead water, Jerusalem was not far from the Dead Sea. It was called the Dead Sea. One of the, one, one of the bodies of water that has the highest salinity value in it in all of the world it's like normally like 35 to 38 percent salinity however that works out you seen i don't know if you've seen people go out and swim in it they they float you can't really swim in it you float it's such dense water filled with salt well and if you go out swimming in it you'll be one of the only living creatures in it because the salinity won't allow anything to live there. You take a creature out of the ocean, we think of the oceans as being um, very, very high in salt content. You put them in the Dead Sea and those creatures will die. It's way too salty. It's a Dead Sea. It flows nowhere else. It ends up right there. The salt always stays in it. It's death. It's not flowing. It's not moving. It deads. It, well, the water ends there and it's this huge body of water that's dead. No life in it, save for a few microbes or fungus, but it's dead. Folks, let's not be dead. Jesus says, I want you living. I want you having the full life. I want you filled with the Holy Spirit, flowing, moving, active. So be living water. Have the Spirit within you. Now, John chapter 4, we're backing up a little bit earlier, even before the, the John, um, John 7 passage, Jesus was talking to a woman at a well, Samaritan woman. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will thirst again, referencing the water out of the well. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. That's a beautiful thought. Just springing up to eternal life. Is that, you know, does that describe my life? Am I springing up to eternal life? Is it, or am I just kind of here? Am I stagnant? Dead, or am I springing up to eternal life because the Holy Spirit is alive and well in me? This passage, I don't know if it should or not, but it always makes me think of the, a song I learned as a kid. Jesus' love is a bubbling over. And it just, that, that thought, Jesus' love is bubbling over, it just fills us up and is bubbling over. That's this, like a well of water just springing up, bubbling up. It can't, your life can't contain it. A spring is because, a spring is there because the ground can't contain the water that it's holding. And so that water comes forth out of the, the ground. It's a spring that keeps on flowing. The water, the ground can't hold it. 
And I think of the Spirit of Christ in our lives, the love of God, it should be springing forth from us. It is so abundant within us that it just bubbles forth. It springs up to eternal life. We live by that Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit in us, giving us joy, giving us life, giving us energy and enthusiasm, a zeal for what God is doing in our lives. And so that brings us, these two passages from John, talking about the Spirit being in us and giving us life. It takes me to the epistle of Galatians. If the Spirit is in us, if it is bubbling up in us to to eternal life or flowing forth, springing forth to eternal life, what does that look like on a more practical level? Galatians gives an answer, I think. As we go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, it, it encourages us, since we live by the Spirit, that makes sense, you know, if we, Jesus was saying that we, we have life by the Spirit, and that Spirit will be producing us eternal life. Since we live by the Spirit, let us, this is the NIV, I think this is the proper concept that is here, uh, I think ESV joins in with it, um, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step. Um, When we keep in step with something, we're we're marching to a beat. Um, Will's in marching band. They all keep in step. They have steps in places they're supposed to move, and they do that together. And they have, and when they function like that, they all move as one, and it's really, really neat to see. Um, keep in step. If somebody gets out of step, it's actually, even to my untrained eye in, um, in marching bands, as far as marching bands go, I could see when somebody would get out of step. Even if you're not looking right at somebody, you can kind of see somebody to the side. Well, it looked like they got out of step. What happened here? What happened there? With the Spirit, we are supposed to keep in step with the Spirit. God has given us the Spirit that gives us kind of the tune that we're supposed to march to. And we need to keep in step with it. And when we keep in step with the Spirit, everything is right and everything is good and God is glorified by it. So keep, we've got to keep in step with the Spirit. And here is the tune that the Spirit gives us. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. The next verse goes on to say... There's a lot of things about the fruit of the Spirit that we are supposed to keep in step with. As we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with love. Let us keep in step with the one I'm focused on today, joy. Part of our lives are to be filled, we're to be filled with joy, and this sets us apart. This is real, true joy, not just a fake happiness because we're bouncing around with crazy things in the world and doing all the stuff that the world does, but we are filled with true joy because the Spirit is in our lives. The Spirit fills our lives with good and wonderful things, fills us to overflowing. 
Part of that overflowing presence of the Spirit is to produce in us love and joy and peace. And all these other things, they're all important. Peace, we've talked about so much. Peace being this completeness and wholeness in our lives because Christ is in us. He has, we're broken lives and he fixes us. The poor guy, leprosy, separated from his family, separated from his loved ones, sent out away from the community, living in between two countries, between Samaria and Galilee, kind of out there in the wilderness with him and just a community of ten others, or nine others, ten of them. He's lost everything important. His life is broken, hopeless. And Jesus comes along and salvages his life. Fixes everything. Takes a broken life. Starts tinkering with it. Hammering on it like we did a couple of years ago with that broken mower. Put it back together and fixed it. Jesus salvaged his life and gave him hope. And filled him up. Jesus gave him peace, completeness, and wholeness. Now he was right with God and he was going to be right with his community. Able to go back And enjoy his family, his friends, and just all that life offered. The Holy Spirit will produce love and joy and peace in our lives. So today we've considered the Samaritan man who was filled with joy, filled with gratitude, came to Jesus properly because Jesus had salvaged his life. And that's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to salvage our lives, gives us full and complete lives. John 10.10 indicates that the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. It's what Jesus offers to you is the abundant life. And he fulfills it by providing forgiveness of our sins, and giving us a gift, the Holy Spirit, to come into our lives. And I just ask you to consider today in particular is joy. To live with joy and gratitude in your life, like that man, the Samaritan, the foreigner who came back to him. So do you have love, joy, and peace in your life. Is it true that the, the spirit is obviously in you because you're, you've got his spirit just springing up to eternal life? It's within you. If not, then you need to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need that presence in your life. You need to come to Jesus and as he said, you need to eat and drink of me. Participate in Christ. Give your life fully to Him and take Him in. Make Him your life. What He says you will do because you know He has the words of life and there is no other way to go. And without Him, as uh, John chapter 6, verse 53, I believe, says that without Him, uh, you have no life in you. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. When we come to this table and remember that we are in Christ, we're also thoughtful to the fact that without 
without Christ, without being in Him and participating in Him and communing with Him, we're dead. We have no life. So I encourage you, if you're not in Christ, come to Him, believe in Him, and give your life to Him. Uh, Be ready to repent of your selfish ways. Be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will, as Jesus promised, as Peter indicated, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if there's anybody here who is a Christian, you've already been immersed to Christ, raised up, and you're like, ah, love, joy, peace, I kind of have that. But that whole example of it just bursting forth from our lives, well, maybe I'm a little weak there. Well, I encourage you to get in step with the Holy Spirit. That's our task as Christians, and it's always the, uh, it, it, it's, it's always a challenge set before us every day. Get our lives in step with the Spirit. And this week, I want to encourage you to think about joy. Think about having the joy of Christ, the peace of Christ in your life. Being like that Samaritan, I'm filled with joy and I just come to Jesus thankful. I'm going to live for Him. Get in step with the Holy Spirit. If you've already received that Spirit, if you've received Him in your life, get in step with Him. Focus on love, joy, and peace. Our family shares a youthful vigor for life because Jesus is with us. These words describe us, and I want them to describe us more and more. He has salvaged our broken lives and sent the Holy Spirit to live within us and to flow forth from us. Keep in step with the Spirit. Be filled with joy. If there's anybody here who needs the prayers of the church, you are welcome to come and ask for prayers. Um, as we uh, as we prepare our minds right now, we're going to go to... Think about Jesus and his death upon that cross. And we need to be uh, just recommitted to living for him. He gave everything for us. So let's keep in step with his spirit. If anybody needs to give your life to Jesus, I want you to get a hold of me. Contact me, grab me after the service, and, and we'll do it today. Let us now get ready to remember the Lord in, uh, in our communion service.